Welcome to Antimatter Pod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext, and subspace hosted by Annika and Liz. Today, we're discussing the Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4 episode, Caves. So on The Greatest Generation, Adam and Ben have this thing called Star Trek Caves, which is just their name for any time that set is used. And I love that the animation design used the Star Trek Cave set. (laughs) I know. And then that was the whole thing. It was like, oh, we're always in the caves and they always look the same. (laughs) Stuff always goes wrong. After this many centuries, why don't we have the power to communicate through rock? Oh my goodness. It's so good. Like, I, I appreciate you, Lower Decks, well played in the caves. Yep, yep. So that was great. Let's wrap up. Thank you for listening to Andy Matterport. <laughs> <laughs> in seriousness, I really enjoyed this episode without having a massive amount of, to say about it, except that yes. there was a point early on where I was like, is this a flashback episode? Are we going to sit in a room and tell stories? Because I hate those episodes. But like I said, I wound up really enjoying it. It was a flashback episode where we sat in a room and hmm. and told stories. But it wasn't was a clip point. show. It was not a clip show. It was news stories. Yeah. Even Tendies. Yes. Which went all the way back to the beginning, was a news story. And... It was sweet. Yeah. It was just sweet. Yeah. You can see my notes are, I have, I very short. Yeah. <laughs> I also do not have anything to say about this episode. The glowing moss made me think of Animal Cross, mm-hmm. Animal Crossing, mm-hmm. and that made me happy. So thank you for that, Star Trek. I hope mm-hmm. someone out there plays Animal Crossing. I'm going to make a glowing moss cave now. Yes. <laughs> On my island. But it it had a thesis, and the thesis was... Going away to college and making new mm. friends doesn't mean that you lose the friends that you already have. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. And it's very funny yeah. that we watched our screener this week when I think Screen Rant dropped a, a piece basically arguing that Lower Decks needs to start transferring regulars off the Cerritos. And respectfully, I thoroughly disagree that that piece was wrong and should feel bad about it. Okay, so first of all, we already did, like, the Boimler goes Mm. to another ship and it doesn't work out plot. Yep. Okay, we already did that, A. And then B, why these characters Mm. and not every other crew in Star Trek? Right. Like, why, why are these ones special in that way that they have to be broken up? And I'm like, is it because two of them are black? Is that why? Like, that's the only... It's the only thing I can come up with, so I don't get it. Like, mm, I legitimately mm. don't understand why these characters have to split up and not every other crew in Star Trek. Right. Like, we know that Spock and Uhura and Scotty are going to be on the Enterprise for decades. For the rest of their lives. God help us. <laughs> like, in Scotty and Uhura's case... Literally, yeah. for the rest of their yeah. lives, Spock eventually leaves once everyone else is dead, <laughs> which is just sad. I do recall that I think it was in season one of Picard. Picard says that his first posting was under Captain Uhura. So let's uh, assume that eventually she got 
out from the communications chair where she sits for decades. After everyone else was dead. <laughs> she, yeah. She, Captain Kirk died. I got to be promoted. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sad. Okay. But yeah, it's just weird to me. It's like, it's Star Trek. Like, if you're going to put up with Riker being on all seven seasons of Next Generation, you have lost your ability to have this complaint. That's my opinion. He literally doesn't leave until the fourth Next Generation movie. Right. I mean, really, we should be asking why no one is offering Ransom his own ship. Right, exactly. But even then, as we were saying a couple weeks ago, that this crew is finally cohesive and, mm. and working at their best levels. And it's like, why break that up? Right. So it's just silly and weird to mm. me that... It um, feels like looking for problems when none exist. But then, right. like right before that dropped, I saw our screener for K's, which is literally about how being promoted means they're seeing other officers. And and it's, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's good to have a social and professional circle outside of your very close friends. Otherwise, you've just become a clique and right. no one needs that. It is healthy to have multiple friend groups mm. for different reasons. Yeah, yeah. Like, here are the people that I hang out with at work. Here are the people that I hang out with my kids' mm. school or something. Here are the people that I hang out with in church. And here are the people that I hang out with because I knew them for 20 years. And, like, there's having different contexts. You know, you're not going to take someone who you know from pta to you know the taylor switch concert or whatever right and certainly and that's okay and and you can cross the streams you can host a big barbecue and invite friends from all walks of your life right and that will be great but it's really okay to have these separate loosely connected groups but i like your point that the other theme of this episode is the fear of change and fear of the unknown because I was very distracted by how Levy's conspiracy theories are basically Starfleet QAnon, although I'm sure they don't call it QAnon because Q, though maybe they do. But Star Trek is very consistent about obsession with conspiracy being unhealthy, going right back to the Voyager Mm -hmm. conspiracy, and I like that. Yes, because it is unhealthy. Yeah, yeah. Like Uh, we see what it did to Rafi. Right, exactly. And she was right. Yes. And, that, and it was still unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter if it's true. It's still the idea of that becoming your entire personality mm. and your entire focus mm. is unhealthy. Yeah. I mean, Levy is also right. Levy is also right. But okay, so one of the Vendorians, I, I don't know if Don Lewis voiced that yeah, I'm sure it or... was Don Lewis. Yeah, right? It was like clearly done to me. And so I was saying, like, my conspiracy theory was like, is this a test (laughs) that the captain is doing to, like, see what's happening with these two? Mm. Because it was too obviously done she has so, a distinctive voice like and that's not a you know that's not a bash on her it's no not her no fault. but i was just like i was sitting there going wait a minute is there another level to this conspiracy so i am not convinced the Victorians are real <laughs> that's a 
amazing. My theory was that they chose to sound like Captain Freeman as a subtle way of giving themselves authority over the lieutenants. I see. Okay. But they show up again at the end and I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, you know what? Vendorians are the Why are the Vendorians in this game too? <laughs> they are not real. They are made up by Starfleet and it's another secret Kobayashi Maru type thing <laughs> that you, you have to go through once you're a Lieutenant JG. Oh my god, the cave test. <laughs> exactly. I just, I, I, I like to picture every time we visit the Star Trek caves now in all of Star Trek, I like to think that the Vendorians are waiting, you know, <laughs> in the next cavern over. They're watching and they're judging. Oh dear. Mm-hmm. But yes, the the through line for all of the stories was this idea of change. Like Boimler says to to Levy, you are going to be stuck here forever because Mm -hmm. of your creepy, weird obsessions with the nonsense. And then there's there's no bigger change than having a child or growing old. Like those are just fundamentally changed. (laughs) And then even... Tendi's story because it was literally set in the first episode Mm. so that is also a fundamentally the beginning of you know so it's it's not changed to us the audience but it was changed to the characters in that moment and we can see how far they've come because I think with an animated comedy it is difficult to appreciate how much the character arcs have moved since episode one yes I mean, it's hard in, in any comedy sitcoms. Mm. Uh, back in the day... The point was the that whole, no one changed. The whole point of the sitcom was that it reset at the end of the mm. 22 minutes. We, we literally could not grow as a person until the finale. Mm. That was like the whole thing of sitcoms in the heyday, mm. as they, they say. And uh, then when we moved to these more serial storytelling, mm. and it was in drama first but it has now infected comedy and now comedies are allowed to grow. They are allowed to have these arcs, but it's still, it's still broad. Yeah. And it's yeah. still, it's still set in this other, like it's, it still mm-hmm. has to be a little bit unrealistic in order to be comedic. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, uh, it's, it's still a little bit different. And so I like that Lower Decks is sort of skirting that idea of, we are the same and we are also different. And yeah. that's good on, you know, multiple levels. Mm. And stuff like having children really, like like you said, really is massive. But it's also, you know, in sitcoms, someone will be conveniently pregnant and they'll have a bump for a while and then they give birth. And then we don't really see the baby until it can be played by an adorable toddler. Right, right. And then they skip to the seven-year-old. Yes. Like, Family Ties was amazing at this. It was like, we're going to have a baby. And then they came back from the break and that baby was seven years old. And it was like a year had gone by, but this child was was like, okay. I I, guess that's what happened. I did keep expecting Rutherford's baby to grow. Show up again. Yeah. Oh, you know, be a a little bit older in every every time we return to her. But no, no, she was just a baby. I mean, at least Star Trek and Naomi Wildman had the out of being part alien and therefore it was okay for her to suddenly be a seven-year-old. Right. (laughs) 
And Alexander, you know what? It makes sense that a predatory race like the Klingons would grow to maturity very quickly. Alexander was really like... He's a special case. I am a three, I am eight, I am 15, and now I'm an adult. Okay. Sure, kid. Whatever. (laughs) That's fine. Wesley's Um, like, come on, guys. I had to do it the long way around. Poor Wesley's like, I had to go through puberty on screen. But then, you know, caves are also the fear of the unknown. Yeah. So that's the other thing that is like the metaphor is literally in the title and, and the uh, context of, this, of the episode. <laughs> I just want to say that I have three very specific bone related squeaks. One is my recurring dream that bananas have bones, as I mentioned with the premiere. The other is leg, like compound fractures and also leg bones just snapping. And so I just, if foot binding turns up in Lower Decks, I am going to write Mike McMahon a very terse letter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They owe you. Oh my a, God, they owe me. Three uh, <laughs> therapy visits. Or a spa um, day. I will take three therapy visits day. or one spa day, but I there do need go. some sort of compensation. <laughs> and some ibuprofen. <sighs> I'm very sorry for you because that was it was my incredibly it, specific. <laughs> well, but like the leg trauma of this episode was elongated. Like it was Oh my god. It went on for a while and it was disturbing. I was like, is this upsetting to anyone but me? And I I expect it we it will be based on the response to the very yes. short trek this week. It's upsetting. It's again, it's it's heightened, it's broad, yeah, it's yeah, comedic. Yeah. It's like you know, that's that's part of the joke. But it's definitely like, Ugh. Which I appreciate. Like, they don't let us get complacent as an audience. And I had no problem with the bit in the first episode where uh, I'm pretty sure Mariner just slices Boimla open with her with her bat left. Yeah, with her yeah. bat left. Yeah. Like, in general, <laughs> blood and guts in a cartoon don't bother me. It's just this specific right. bone thing. Particular Stop time. that. Um. I just want to say that there were three people under mm-hmm. under Boimler, right? I think there were three of them. And um, so, Bo- uh, uh, not Boimler, Mariner and the dark-haired lady were mm. arguing and they got the poor one-legged guy to, to join them. But then their fourth, like, was a child briefly. Yes! And he was adorable. I know. I was like... They spent so much time making this kid so cute for this, like, five-second visual gag. I was just like, oh, I want to know everything about you. How did you lose your eye? And it's the 24th century. Why are you choosing to wear an eye patch? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And that, like, when when they first started, I was like, so Nick Fury is on your team? Like, what's happening? Baby Nick Fury little baby Nick Fury. So yes, I just, mm. I just wanted to point that out because, you know, I said recently that their animation isn't as beautiful as uh, Prodigy. And so I just wanted to say in that moment, it was very mm. lovely. Yes. And certainly the animation is never crude or cheap looking oh, the no. way some animated comedies are. No, no, no. It's, it's just, it's uh, not meant to be beautiful. No. In the same no. way. I think it's, it's beautiful in its own way. That's right. It's beautiful in its own way. Yes. Is this all we have to say about caves? I mean, yes. 
Dr. Ta'ana was great. Dr. Ta'ana reluctantly growing fond of both a child and an engineer is amazing. Yeah, that's that's sweet. That's, yeah. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Dr. Ta'ana. <laughs> also, I appreciate how we have Rutherford M. Preg and don't dwell on it in any way whatsoever because that can only end in either transphobic or just generally weird places. Yeah. It's not my favorite trope, but it was fine in this particular because they just, it was, it was not, it was not a trope. It was just like what happened. Right. And given <laughs> what I know about cats, I feel like Ta'ana would have been just as awful. Like, <laughs> Thank you for listening to Antimatterpod. You can find our show notes at antimatterpod.com, including links to our social media, credits for our theme music, and transcripts of our episodes, though not very recently because the AI that transcribes this is getting worse. It may in fact be trying to take over the world. You can follow us on Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, and Blue Sky, all at antimatterpod, and on Mastodon at antimatter at tenforward.social. If you like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you consume your podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. And join us next week for the next episode of Lower Decks, which does not yet have a title because we don't have screeners. (laughs) 